Howdy, welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This one of your co-host Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicon. Tonight we are bringing to you one of our return slot episodes where we usually feature a movie that for some reason or another just has never been talked about on the podcast, either because it hasn't made a list or because it would never make a list potentially. This is one that just has has happened to not make a list ever uh, for one reason or another. Um, probably something we'll end up talking about, but uh, that's 2010 Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, directed by Edgar Wright, adapted by Edgar Wright and Michael Bacall, and based on the uh, comic Scott Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. It stars Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kieran Calkin, Chris Evans, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, Allison Pill, Aubrey Plaza, Brandon Rolfe. Jason Sportsman, Johnny Simmons, Mark Weber, Mae Whitman, and Ellen Wong. Um, large cast for this movie. So, Frank, um, first, why do you think it has... We It feels like it's like come close to making lists, and maybe it would make a list, or maybe we would do this category, and it would fit in there, and it just has never worked out after 170-some episodes. Um, yeah. Why do you think that is exactly about this movie? What it is about this movie that... So we talked about it a little bit off air before we started the podcast, and it's you can categorize it as a superhero movie, but does that really like encompass what it is? You know, I mean, right. it's or video very genre movie. bending because um, it's a yeah, it's a it's a sci-fi video game superhero romantic drama, you know, comedy meta commentary. I mean, there's Correct. so much stuff about it, so it kind of defies really defies classification i think um and i i love this movie like i really enjoy it and i've seen it probably at least a dozen times and maybe more um but it's also one of those things where it's we i wouldn't say struggled but we we talked for a while about like what are we going to say about it really like what is there to talk about um because even though i think there's a lot of interesting things i think it's very um it's not very subtle like it definitely is embracing the things it wants to say to you and it's just putting them out there on the screen uh, for you to experience so a lot of like if if you haven't seen the movie um a lot of the stuff is going to be not as impactful like without like knowing the visuals and if you have seen the movie you really don't need to hear us talk about like certain things because it's just so apparent like you just know um know what those things are so I think one of the, the the interesting challenges about talking about Scott Pilgrim is to kind of talk about the comic history of it and the pop culture impact of it, because um, both of those things were pretty important. And then talk about the movie itself and um, Edgar Wright's, you know, unique visual style. And then just sort of go into, you know, you had brought up influences and there's some things that um, I look at as being... I think that it was influenced by that. I think it it did better. That I I feel like mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting point of um of discussion. So, mm-hmm. so I think we'll get a pretty good conversation out of it. And again, I think that if you've never seen the movie and you're listening to us right now, um, my ask would be you should probably just stop and go watch it. Right. It's free, something like on Netflix. I Netflix think. right now, yeah. Um, so just go and watch it. It's you know two hours. It flies by super fast. Um, I think that. Uh, you'll really enjoy it I, I think most people would enjoy this movie um i think you have to be like anti-fun really to yeah not it's like, an extremely well-paced movie i mean like, you'll appreciate this very yeah. fast I mean. um and then i think there's some interesting questions that come out of it and part of that too you know is what is this movie 2011 yeah so we're was written in 04 so yeah 12 12 years past the movie itself and almost 20 years past the first publication because it took him like five or six years to publish the whole thing um but i think it's interesting because it's we we talk about a lot of stuff from the 70s and 80s that tonally might not hold up as well anymore um and then we're in a point where this is released right on the edge of where we should be maybe a little more mindful of things and um there's definitely some questionable stuff in here. Um, and I think just because it's so good natured and such like a kind of like an indie darling style hit with, you know, the the characters and the cast and everything. 
that people don't really bring it up but it's just you know something that could be made today so yeah yeah all right so um i think you're one well well more well versed in these things than i am a lot of times to talk about like the like these things like the meta nature and the things that you like visually about um about this um so give me some stuff that you really dig about this movie um i think it's really bold in the fact that it breaks the convention of like the traditional framing of a shot in a screen um many times it'll use like outright use comic panels to the effect of um having like three points of action happening on the screen or four points of action at the same time where you're seeing the characters move like in panels um that makes it feel like a comic book and i think it pulls from a lot of different sources so um, video games and comics and um, media throughout like decades you know there's definitely some very nostalgic affection for stuff like the 1960s batman series um i think certain video games like um i don't know if you're going to be familiar with these but uh there's a genesis game called comic zone from the 90s um where you're a character that's basically moving um panel by panel through a comic book and like fighting through those panels um and there's a kind of a feel to that too scott pilgrim and the sense that you know they had a thousand pages of graphic novels to go through um for the five or six issue or collected um issues of pilgrim um, of the comic itself that it's based on and this is a really faithful adaptation as far as i'm aware like i'm not super familiar with the comic i've read a couple of the trades um but it's very beat for beat similar to what occurs in terms of the characters and the characterization of of scott and of ramona and of knives um will i mean like all those characters they kind of really he really kind of nails them for better or worse so um but yeah i i I think i think it has a very it's it's reverential without being like precious or like annoying like you get the feel of almost this impossible to define time period um i know that it takes place in the late 90s right isn't that what it says yeah um, but you definitely get the feel in terms of, like, when you're at the end, when you're in Gideon's, whatever they call it, like, his giant club, um, it's got a very, like, early 80s, like, new wave feel to it, with with the neon and the lighting and mm-hmm. the outfits, and that kind of feels like that that character, right? Like, he's this guy that's smarmy and... Um, super hip so he's got this whatever like fascination with like this old stuff because he's gonna make it cool no matter what or whatever i mean i think that schwartzman does an amazing job in that role too um but i love the like the coloring i love the um the use of uh, pixel graphics to illustrate like points and golden coins and you know one-ups and life bars and things and it definitely puts it in its own its own universe because everyone can see those things and everyone experiences those things so it's not just like tongue-in-cheek or even um parody or whatever i mean it's like a genuine like wholehearted embrace of that video game culture um and it takes it seriously and is loving about it where it makes it feel you know relevant to the to the story it's not just like some cheap visual effect to get a pop out of you like it's it's part of the story it's part of the um you know like the the narrative that they're weaving there like yeah. visually um is having these things happen and having them be accepted you know like the idea that ramona travels through number one it uses terms like subspace which is you know from super mario brothers 2 
but he uses like those terms like that and the idea that these subspaces exist and that Ramona can use them to move to deliver your Amazon packages faster. I mean, like that's right. <clears throat> not only is that like a cool reference to an old video game and also like a pretty interesting concept, but it's hilarious that someone has what's basically like this almost like ridiculously like overpowered superpower okay. and they're using it so they can just be a better delivery person for right. Amazon because yeah. in reality like that's probably what would happen if people had superpowers is like <laughs> oh well you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do my job faster so I can like you know go home and be sad about my boyfriend that broke up with me <laughs> yeah um, it, also, it all fe- it all feels I was gonna use the word tapestry like every like nothing f- like you said I, what did you say it doesn't feel like a cheap pop or something like everything feels like it belongs there despite the fact that and it's one of the things that impressed me having not watched it since it came out is nothing feels out of place everything feels like it belongs in that world and it it moves us it it moves at such a quick pace that you never really have time to stop and think whether something really belongs in that world it just right it just keeps flowing it just keeps moving and like it just builds on each other but nothing feels out of place like in terms of despite the massive number of effects and the different type of effects that yeah. are in this movie yeah and the funny thing is like it's taken place in suburban toronto you know like it's just these like brick houses and buildings and there's just dirty snow all over the place and then you know there's like plucking a heart from the air you know some guy like descending from the clouds to have like a dragon ball battle with a guy who doesn't even understand what's going on um Mm -hmm. so i love all that stuff um i also think that the music is really amazing that how and how right like works it in conjunction with um the visual effects and how many original songs are in this, you know, because it's all the um, the songs by Sex Babam, which is Scott's band with his friends um, and like Crash and the Boys songs and the Clash of the Demon Head band songs. And even like Matthew Patel, like singing his little like Bollywood, you know, like fight song as he is fighting, like all that stuff is original and it's all kind of catchy and it works really well, like in context of the movie. Um so yeah, so I just think that there's, I think there's a really good sense of taking these ridiculous things that exist in video games and just making them feel commonplace, which kind of makes you, um, you know, just sort of accept it easier, right? Like, mm-hmm. and when we talk, we'll talk a little later um, during this about um, something that I compare to, like, internally that doesn't work at all and like why scott pilgrim succeeds where that thing fails so and another thing you brought up to me was like comic tropes like what specifically like when you mentioned like how like the comic tropes that are used in it what well it's funny because it almost um it almost is like anti-trope in a way because you've got like like Scott Pilgrim is accepted to be this guy who, who is a really good like hand-to-hand combatant and fighter and has at some point like fought off like other like colossal threats because of like women that he's dated you know like he had to mm-hmm. what's the joke that he had to like fight some like giant dude for Kim or whatever right um but, you know i mean it's it's pulling directly from a comic book. So that comic book uses things like, I mean, it's, it's obviously like it's broadest strokes, the hero's journey, which is a big thing that comics use to kind of whatever, like, especially standalone comics to build a character for you, but it doesn't always like excuse Scott's behavior, um, which I like, like it kind of makes him, I don't know if scumbag is the right word, but Scott's not like the greatest person and it doesn't shy away from telling you like repeatedly that Scott's not the greatest person. Um, I think there's a really cool visual flair to each of the different evil exes that makes it feel a little different. Like you get the 
um, like the grandeur of the Matthew Patel fight, and then the fight with um, Chris Evans is feels more like something out of like Fast and the Furious or whatever, or mm-hmm. maybe a Stallone movie because he's got like the quips and he's like the action star and um the thing like the the lesbian girlfriend it feels like something out of like a mortal Kombat movie or something i mean it's just edgar wright does a really great job i think of making everything his own but making it feel like, like different like my, my my favorite fight in the whole movie and this is more or less like ripped out of like dragon ball is the fight against um uh brandon ruth um mm-hmm. as the like super vegan yeah um yeah, which is number one, like that whole scene is hilarious and is really played well and has a lot of really good, like subtle digs in it. Um and shows like I I I really like the fact that the movie continuously shows why these people are Ramona's exes. Like that they all have these things about them that are real, like toxic traits that people have that you know, like the reason that's the reason why Ramona like left him, you know. So the Todd thing, he's kind of illustrated as like this perfect man. He's a vegan, he's in, you know, really handsome and in good shape. But he's not very bright and right. yeah. he's really just kind of like controlling and condescending and is willing to punch, you know, a seventeen year old girl in the face. Mm-hmm. So um um yeah he, like he's your he's your favorite just having known you through the years he's he's your favorite of the exes right in terms of oh yeah that, that that whole thing is amazing yeah um because again it, it plays out like a climactic battle in like dragon ball z or something i mean it, it right. feels like the comic battle with him you know and this is another thing that, that the, to the visual element like he has these like this pulsing like white bands of energy like radiating off of which is a hundred percent stolen from X-Men, you know, because that's a, that's a big, um, what's his name? Uh, Sal Buscema, um, Jack Kirby thing is like illustrating like power by having like different, like rings of energy or bands of energy right. coming off of somebody and they do it really well here. And, you know, again, it's like, they have these scenes where like, they'll take the panel and move it where it looks like a comic panel and they'll show you the different angles at the same time like you're actually reading a comic and instead of feeling like forced or um trite like it's just it 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 feels really cool and i think it really helps move the movie along and i think it helps give you a lot of um exposition in a short period of time or character development where you wouldn't normally have it and not to say that this movie is like developing like deep like broad characters or whatever but it gives you like what you need to know and you know like the quickest amount of time and it doesn't in a way that is pretty interesting to look at so Mm -hmm. and you know it's another thing that's a trope that i think that edgar wright i think i think you can tell that edgar wright loves comic books and loves video games when you see this movie because he's so he gets it and he knows how to like he knows what makes it cool and it's like you always have those villains in like a random episode random issue of spider-man or whatever that come in and you get like two pages of backstory or like six panels of backstory and you just have to accept it and then there's the fight or whatever because it's just a you know a monster of the week type thing and i think that it does it well here by introducing all that stuff about these people like you know you get the he like uses the actual comic panels from the comic books which i think is a really cool touch um yeah i don't know i just i I really enjoy all that about it and i think that again i think that it's pretty fantastic that you can tell how much Wright like appreciates those things like he's not making fun of comics or making fun of video games or, or we watched a movie you and i early in 2022 maybe mid 2022 called grim cuddy mm-hmm. um and i thought that grim cuddy was a pretty decent movie but i really thought that grim cuddy felt like a movie made by somebody that doesn't understand social media 
Mm. Or what else? We, we were talking about, oh, Willow, right? Like, so we were talking about Willow. <sighs> yeah. And Willow's a movie that is written by people that don't understand fantasy, you know? Right. They think they do, and they, they think, think they, they understand, like, what, you know, what 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 the kids want to see right but it's like friggin um uh, steve buscemi on 30 rock like you know carrying his skateboard saying like <laughs> hello fellow kids like, right right but yeah. edgar wright like he understands what's cool about comics and um music videos and video games and and nostalgia of video games too i mean like it's and 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 the other thing is like the music scene itself he has to i think he has to not that i'm heavily was ever into that scene but it feels like there's a deep understanding of the music scene and the type of people that are in the music scene as well um with a lot of those personalities um, I'm assuming a lot of that comes from O'Malley, probably, but at the same time, like I think the way that he represents them and shows them visually, I think that he has to have some kind of understanding of the music of that type of music scene as well. And it's like, so it's like, he, I think he has a deep knowledge of all of these different things. I think that's right, and also that, I mean, it's not even just like just. Um, nostalgia because he obviously understands like dance dance revolutions importance to video sure games. and um i don't know i i it's just it's it's refreshing to see a director that actually gets what matters about the thing that he's making his movie about so yeah so there have been i mean there have been other attempts at doing movies like this. I, I think the terms transmedia kind of that they use to describe like, you know, um, something like this. And uh, particularly, I think you mentioned the Hulk. So what, why does the Hulk fail in this work? If you're putting them like next to each other, what, what does that, is that like a eight year difference or something like that? Maybe. Oh no, more than that. Is the it? Hulk is like, it was like O2 or something. The Ang Lee Hawk? Yeah. I thought it was... O3. Oh, man. I thought yeah. it was much older than that. Um, Because Ang Lee doesn't get it, really. And that's kind of the whole point that I, I think that Edgar Wright just gets it. Like, Ang Lee understands what a comic book panel looks like. But to him, it's... I think Edgar Wright truly loves like the medium and really cares about doing the right thing when it comes to presenting it in a way that's like reverential and understanding. And Ang Lee is just making it ridiculous, you know, like he's having a guy like get blown up by a bomb and turn into like a cell shaded version of himself and fly towards the screen. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, it's laughable. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Scott Pilgrim, it's a thing that's accepted by everyone in the world that this is just something that Scott can do because that's what he's good at is like, you know, he's, he's kind of like a loser in a lot of ways, but he's pretty good at like fighting people. And, it's accepted so it's kind of just it's there and you sort of you know you just kind of get it and in the hulk it's it's forced like every time they do it in the hulk it just feels like so terrible Mm -hmm. and then on top of that it's not even like consistent in the hulk because it doesn't always happen ang lee just like again it's almost like he's making fun of the thing that he's meant to be like you know embracing which is this comic book and it's like he's almost like putting it down by like, oh, look how goofy it is. And I'm going to show you like these panels. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, One of the things watching it that impressed me and I just did like a little research on um, watching it this time around was just how perfectly cast this entire movie is. And 
it was a team of three casting directors jennifer um easton um Eston, um, Allison Jones, and Robin Cook. Um, Jones has a pretty long history uh, of casting before this, like, you know, casting on television shows like Fresh Prince Bel-Air and um, working with Apatow. So it's like she cast like Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared and then started doing his movies and stuff like that. Did Arrested Development from the second season on. Um, but then her team... Um, of of uh Houston and um or Austin uh Cook um ended up going on to having a lot of success after this um uh in casting lots of Netflix shows um uh I think Jones or sorry Cook was a uh, Shape of Water if I remember correctly like you know there's a, there's a lot of, and a lot of acclaim to come like with those and the cast in this like. I don't think there's a single person that doesn't nail their character. Do you, do you, can you think of anybody that like just doesn't quite work? It's all pretty perfect. Yeah. Like it's, but, it's for such a massive cast. I think that's extremely impressive to nail the right people for these things. You're definitely pulling though from the indie darling performers of the time. Right. So Michael Sarah off of Arrested Development, Aubrey Plaza off of Parks and Recreation, um, what's his name? Uh, Chris Evans would have been not yet. That was him, kind of almost like a parody of his um, Johnny Storm character mm-hmm. from the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in like before this, but she had done some stuff too. Um, you know, you've got, uh, what's his name? Um, Schwartzman, the, you know, the schmarmy guy, he's kind of like almost, uh, almost an evil, like negative version of himself from, um, Rushmore, you know what I mean? So I, it, it is, it's fantastic casting. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's almost like when, and maybe maybe to credit to them, like they saw things from these people that no one else had even really seen yet because they, um, you know, hadn't really had time to show it. But I still think there's an element of, like when you overload a cast, it's almost like Wes Anderson, right? Like Wes Anderson can get 30 fantastic actors to come do bit parts in his movies and then you wonder, like, you think, like, man, like, his movies are so great, or he has such great performances, but when you stack the deck like that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody in the movie that falls short. Um, no, I mean, it's 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 really good. Great oh. casting. Actually, to me, the more times I see it, the one character that I am the most just kind of weary of by the end of the movie is Scott himself. Sure. Um, and I, it, it's on purpose a hundred percent. Like yeah. you're not, I think that if you truly are empathizing with Scott or thinking that Scott is really like a cool guy, that maybe this movie is more about you, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, like I think the cast is. is yeah. Great. And, and I, I do have a question about that with the cast. Like, before we probably turn to to pilgrim himself and and narrative elements but um i honestly wonder if this isn't sarah's best performance i think there's the most nuance um because i think he knows what he's doing at times because i mean look i mean michael sarah's been playing michael sarah for how many years since oh four Right, he's basically the same dude in every single movie. Right, but I but I do think that there's a little bit more depth here, just because I think that he does play into some of the negative aspects of Scott's character. Yeah, 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 he does. And I wonder if it's not like his 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 best performance in a movie just because of that, um, because there's a little bit more nuance to the to the acting and the performance. 
I mean, it's like he does definitely lean into that like vacuous, um, self obsessed nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting thing that like women. I I guess the way the movie portrays it is that Scott is such like a cipher sort of like just this kind of like empty page in a lot of ways because he's not very deep and he doesn't really think about things well that like these women kind of write on to him like what they want to see and they just Mm -hmm. sort of think that he's connected and interested when in reality he's just kind of an idiot but then he's not really like an idiot he's just immature and self-absorbed yeah self-absorbed oh yeah i mean that's how users operate though a lot of times is by kind of being that blank slate so the thing just get things out of people right? yeah and the interesting thing too is scott is 100 percent like like this is is toxic in a lot of ways mm-hmm. he's just less toxic than every other man that's had a relationship with um you know these women mm-hmm. that he becomes except, the, except for except for nice who has not had a relationship yet right. and he's introducing her to like kind of like some of those worst aspects i mean the idea that it's like he has nice pay for the video games right is such like like it makes me laugh every time but not because i actually think it's like funny it's just because it's so gross like all right well i mean he can't afford to he has to live sleep in a bed with his gay roommate because he can't afford to like live on his own right i mean he's he's a slacker and a bum and and really like that's another interesting thing i've never even thought about until just now but, but like i wonder because of the time period that it takes place i wonder how much that's a criticism of that whole like loser culture that we kind of had around us you know as gen x like in the late 90s i i think anybody that grew up through the 90s into like the very early 2000s i think knows this person yeah in some ways yeah or was this person at one point Mm. because i definitely like had elements of mr pilgrim in me when i was in my early 20s so um but yeah i think i I think it's interesting, like, really interesting, because the Hulk is, is really, like, widely derided, and for good reason, but the weird thing is that in the past, like, 10 years, the Hulk has kind of experienced a re like, a re, not imagining, but, um, people, younger people have come to reassess that movie and enjoy it. Um, because I think that it's so guileless in the way that it approaches it. And I, I find that terrible. Like, I think that it lacks, especially when you consider what the Hulk is as a character, you know, which is the physical embodiment of anger and destruction, right? Like it's unbridled rage is what the Hulk is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And they just make him such a fucking goof, you know, that it just doesn't work but i don't know i mean maybe there's something where i watch a lot of reaction videos i don't know if you watch reaction videos ever never um i'm a fan of watching reaction videos to music that i really enjoy Mm. um in particular like really there's a guy that shows up on tiktok for me that i do enjoy like watching him like listen to music yeah so there's a lot of people that watch like older hip-hop like the hip-hop that we love and it's funny to watch this newer generation that's grown up on, you know, I don't know, like modern hip hop, like listen to Nas or Eminem or, or um, Dr. Dre or, you know, Shook Ones or whatever, mm-hmm. and just like completely mark out to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's because everything is, there's such like, I don't want to use the word pablum because that's really insulting, but there's not a whole lot of nuance like there's this group i can't remember they're the the cartier family or something that watches like hip-hop videos that is always looking up lyrics on their phone like words because they don't know what um what is the word they didn't there was two words in a row they didn't know shit anyway it's like two words that you know i don't know you feel like should be part of somebody's vocabulary and they look them up 
and they're trying to figure out like what's the meaning of the lyrics and it's like and i'm not making fun of them because you know whatever like but i think that's the whole thing is i think that there's i don't think that people can make really abstract connections very well anymore and so i think the things that have broad strokes are just kind of hit like these really wide like feelings of sentimentality or mm. whatever i think are a lot more popular because there's a lot less work that goes into understanding it. right so yeah and anyway fuck the hulk though because the hulk's terrible movie. <laughs> uh yeah i mean i yeah i can see that i mean everything when we were growing up was work like because i remember doing that like looking up like lyrics because i didn't understand them and um but that's just what you did like um but yeah i can i can imagine it's actually harder now though also because there's so much out there like right. there's just too much to take in anymore like from it just keeps growing and growing um but yeah i agree with you i think there's like a lack of like kind of critical like critical ability anymore um on a whole so i think we probably have to at least touch and we touched a little bit on this already with scott um just in terms of what this movie does 13 years later because this has also been reevaluated in the past like three or four years some um in terms of like whether like does this you know like everything has does this movie have problems and you mentioned early on like me too and like now that we're after that um what's your general feelings like on this in terms of what is iffy and what's not I think that Scott is, I don't know if there's such a thing, but I think Scott is a benign sexual predator. And I think that that's referenced numerous times, not only to, you know, his grooming of a 17-year-old in Knives, which, right. oh, well, goodness, true. sorry. Oh, my God. Um, And the thing is, is, like, they always try and couch it in saying that, oh, well, we just hold hands and talk about her school. But her, like, she's not thinking about it that way and his intent is definitely to at some point like i mean he's using her to try and get over his ex-girlfriend but he's using her because it's easy for him to impose his will on a child right sure so that's kind of gross and 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 she worships him and it's like right. i think that word is maybe even used or something or something along those lines at one point yeah and that's what he's looking for i mean he's looking for someone to adore him like and then on top of that, there's the whole implication that he was really shitty to um, Kim when they had dated before um, and probably cheated on her or at least like dumped her, or, like ghosted her. Right. Um, the, the thing with the knives thing is, I don't know. I mean, like in Cecil County, you could see a 23 year old dating a 17 year old, you know, sure. and this, they would not be an illegal here. Like, it's kind of gross. But you got friggin' Leonardo DiCaprio at 48, or however old he is, dating a 19-year-old right, right now that's, like, blowing up the internet about what a scumbag Leo is. Uh-huh. 17 to 23 isn't that big of a, a gap, no, especially not, because yeah. he's an emotionally stunted child that doesn't have a job and has right. never really moved on. Yeah. But I still think there's some grooming there, um, just in what we come to understand as now. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely is using women for his own gratification and if yes. even if it's not sexual it's an emotional salve that he's using him for to get over the fact that this woman that he loved dumped him right and as soon as he is in a position to do so he does the exact same thing that he's moping over to these women right mm -hmm. so yep. he did it to kim to get with um I can't remember her name, but the Clash of Demon had one. Envy, like yeah, like, Envy, yeah. and and Envy Adams, right? Yeah, he did it to her to begin with, and then he's using knives to get over her. But as soon as he sees Ramona, he forgets about knives. Um, and I think you can kind of tell that it's written not only the source material but also the adaptation by by men, because the women are so quick to forgive him just because he admits his mistakes. Mm -hmm. 
and you you said this and my uh, my counter argument like devil's advocate argument to it is does somebody have to pay for their crimes forever right but and your response was like perfect well they got to pay for them a little bit and scott did never pay for him at all and I, yeah. I wonder though i wonder how edgar wright really views scott because and this is something i texted you the other night the end of the movie is Scott having to face Nega Scott, which is like his evil twin. And, and they just end up like becoming friends and making plans to get brunch together, which right. to me means that there is no evil twin. Scott is the evil twin himself. Like Scott's the, you know, he's not a good person. Yeah. And it's, it's said like outright, not even implied several times in the movie that, scott's just a future evil ex for ramona like mm-hmm. he's better than gideon but it's just a matter of degrees in terms of you know that maybe she is drawn to people that are manipulative or gaslighters because that's what they are both doing mm-hmm. you know so the there was an original ending to this where he ends up getting together with back together with knives and that was before O'Malley finished the la- the end of the comic book. So after filming took place, that was the original ending. And after filming took place, O'Malley objected to it had since he had put out his book. And they went back and did the ending of the comic series mm. um, with Scott and Ramona getting back together. Um, uh, the actors that played Knives actually preferred that. Um, um, that ending that her, him and Ramona get together rather than well, him and Nye right, getting together. <laughs> because that's that's at least a hint of growth and understanding in terms of Scott. Right. That right. he's not having a real relationship with a 17-year-old high schooler. Sure. He's taking advantage of her and you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like he's infatuated by Ramona because she's got blue hair and she's pretty and she's mysterious, you know? And, 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 and the, I mean, and the film knows that, I mean, like O'Malley, I guess, like knows that, like, you know, it's like, it's to some degree, it's a joke, like, you know, that he's infatuated only because of these kind of shallow traits, because it's like, she, she, I mean, she's literally a dream girl, right? Like, um, you know, and, um like coming to him in his dream before he even meets her and it's like you know it's it's a it's a it's a joke about like manic pixie dream girl right um so it's like it's really weird like uh, i was telling was that you that i was telling about it like the other night like off air is watching um denzel washington's like first movie um and like how there there there's these things where it's like you know it's it's supposed to be this kind of like uh exaggeration but like anti-racist you know like kind of like exaggerated comedy and like i get how the movie's trying to work to be anti-racist but it's in 1981 and while they're doing certain things that are certainly making points that people are bigots and you know black people are you know oppressed in certain ways they themselves have there's still so many unconscious biases that some of those biases are imposing themselves on this anti-racist for the time period movie and i feel like there's not a lot but just a little bit of that maybe going on here where it's like in 13 years we've come to a certain point where we can kind of see because of the men that are responsible for it some of those like unconscious things maybe still be, being imposed on the narrative for a film that is ultimately about showing that people like this are fucking scumbags and manipulators. Um, and I think there's like, I think you're just starting to see a little bit of that, like creep into the narrative um, that's been created by the creators themselves. Right. That might be well, there. I mean, as we well, all grow and change and learn and, one of my favorite romances from my teenage years, the woman that like I think is the ultimate like dream girl in that movie, she falls in love with the guy because he says, Bless you, you know. It's like that's how little effort you have to make to like right. win win right. the girl. Right. right. Like that's O'Malley's generation, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what he's writing from is mm-hmm. 
is our generation. And I think that we had trying to give a better example of that. I mean, I think the Bridge of Fonda and Singles is a really good example of that whole idea of like this ideal, beautiful, earthy, but flighty, like fairy of a woman that just kind of like flits in and out of your life and matches all your sexual and emotional needs. Um, and you don't have to do anything to get her because whatever you play the guitar or something. Um, I, I know there's a really, there's a better example of that from the nineties of like, I don't know, like maybe, um, Goodwill hunting is a good example of it with, uh, what's her name? Um, Mimi Mir- Miriel, yeah, Mimi driver, mm-hmm. you know, that, oh, how about them apples, right? Like that's what Scott is. is Scott's like. like very much a guy that like he plays a he plays bass in a band and has floppy hair and once in a while says something clever and that's what it takes to like win the girl over or whatever i guess bare minimum is what they call it nowadays like 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 the girl is something to be won anyway right so i don't know well that and that's an interesting thing too to me is like the very premise of the film like the very premise of the film is kind of like he almost like exposes like a toxicity in mm. in Scott, right? Like in the sense that like the exes need to be defeated. Like yeah, but that, that's, that is that's a problem with women with sexual histories, right? I, yeah, but I don't put that on Scott. I put that on Gideon. Like Scott is ignorant of those things for the majority of the time, and, and it's just kind of like inconvenienced by him. Like Gideon's the one that's like pushing him to, you know, fight everyone. The only one that Scott's bothered by, which I think is actually like a really hilarious look at his character, is the fact that she was with a, a woman at one point. Right. Like he can he can abide like having to fight other dudes because whatever it just makes sense. But which is also titillated by too. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. But I think he's also intimidated by. It. I think that he oh, feels yeah. like yeah. yeah, sure, yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess it's Gideon, like, you know, um, right. He's just... I mean, Gideon is ultimately, like, the most toxic character in the movie. Sure. He's a manipulator. He's yeah. borderline rapist, maybe mm-hmm. even, like, a legitimate rapist because he's using techno mind control to, you know, make Ramona stay with him. Right. Um, willing to murder somebody. You know, I mean, there's terrible things about him. And definitely deserves his comeuppance, but I think it's a matter of degrees is how much, how much worse is he really than Scott? Scott's just more taciturn about it, you know, like he's just not as like aggressively. Yeah, and I will, I will at least say the movie go, acknowledges that he's bad but, and maybe only slightly better. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I, I still, I still wonder down the road how that ending will be seen like um i I don't think we're ever going to be in a point where scott pilgrim is contentious at all or something i don't know because it's so it's it's so soft right like it's not i don't know I, i i can't explain i understand how like ideologically is problematic but i don't think it's presented in a way where people are going to be up in arms about it and it's also not popular enough where it's like you know gone with the wind or something right or like no one's gonna it doesn't rank on any list right yet yeah no 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 one's gonna die on the hill of scott pilgrim ever but do you do you think it Someday you could see it making like sight and sound like in the top two fifty or something in that like only if I become an editor. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's extremely visually impressive. Um, this movie, it's... and I still think it's fun overall, despite some of the issues that we talked about. I I still I still enjoyed watching. It's a shame because I think that I think that it deserves more critical discussion and I think it deserves more praise 
and maybe some more criticism. But I think one of the problems is what we always talk about when we do horror podcasts, which is that there's certain things that important critics don't take seriously. And 100% video games is one of those things. And video game culture and at the time period that this came out comic book culture was another thing that nobody took seriously and so i think that it just kind of fell by the wayside for that reason you know like i think that sky high is a really great movie and i think it deserves to be talked about alongside like superhero movies but it just had the misfortune of falling in a time period where nobody cared about that shit yeah that allison jones one cast sky high too yeah so uh, you, you want to know what's real quick the the number one thing against um this movie is uh, it was number one on Ter- harry Knowles' top 10 movies of 2010 yeah that's one of the reasons why i never wanted to see it mm. it makes sense but you, you this was this was a movie where this was back in the day when it was like i there was no streaming services so um, I had cable, but I would buy three or four DVDs or Blu-rays a week. So Frankie and I would have something to watch, and I would have like a horror movie to watch. Um, this was just a random Walmart purchase on Blu-ray, uh, just to have something to watch with Frankie because I figured it'd be appropriate for him and he might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did, but I mean, like I was blown away by it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's 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 interesting because. I only have vague memories of the comic when it was being published, but I knew about the comic the entire time it was being published. And the comic was really important because it was this weird combination of manga with like American, almost like um, Chuck Jones, uh, Looney Tunes sensibility to it. Mm -hmm. And people really embraced it and were really into it in a time when comics were almost like, um taboo to talk about because they were still considered the realm of the nerd and the immature man child or whatever um so it's interesting that you know this edgar wright like embraced it so much and i think it really does presage a lot of the marvel stuff in a lot of ways um especially shit like ant-man and that's a easy comparison because Wright, you know did the first ant-man but um he just, he just in, he ended in, up in, just producing that, right? Wasn't he like attached to it, and then I thought he directed out. Man, didn't he? I think that that was, he was attached to it and then backed out. I think, right? If I remember I don't know. that history correctly, I think he ended up producing it. Um, let's find out. Make sure I'm right. Wrote oh it. yeah, he he was just a yeah. writer, an executive producer, but still, it's the same idea. Yeah, I mean, he still has. It's 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 embracing what makes comics and video games and that segment of pop culture cool without shitting on it at all, you know, mm-hmm. or without it's it's a thing that I hate about Miss Marvel, right? Like the or Captain Marvel. Um, you got to like shit on the other characters, right? To mm-hmm. embiggen your fucking star, and it's like Edgar Wright doesn't do that like he understands you know what makes a hero a hero um and i think he does a really good job here and again i'm not arguing that scott pilgrim is necessarily a hero because i think he's problematic i mean he's the um protagonist of this movie but it still is really interesting and it's it definitely bears conversation and i Mm -hmm. wonder i wonder if that wasn't his intent and it's just because it kind of fell sort of under the radar in terms of like critical analysis that no one's just ever talked about it really so yeah like i said maybe people have talked about it it's got a little bit more conversation the past few years i think it looks like when i like was digging around like doing some research and seeing how times have changed or reactions have changed and stuff like that so it's 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 gotten a little bit of discussion um there's also discussion about um although everybody agrees largely that um uh uh damn it wallace is handled well um and respectfully uh right he's the smartest and most um 
down to earth character in the entire movie. Yeah. And he embraces who he is. Like there's no Yeah. He's not made to be like creepy or whatever. He's just charming yeah. and smart and Well, it's funny because it's like the reverse of the um well, at some point it wasn't the case, but it's like, you know, there there's the there's the protagonist who always has like the bum roommate. Right. Um and it's like not that this hasn't been done before, but it's like this is the reversal of that where it's like, you know, Scott is the protagonist and he's the bum roommate and he has like the kind of put together like, you know, secure um roommate like in this case and yeah, Calkin like, you know, nails the performance and I think it's a it's a really good character. It has some of the better lines at times like um of the movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I do just want to exercise because since this came out in 2010, I was just looking at what else came out in 2010, and I don't know if we'll ever get to 2010 since we kind of are going from night like up to like uh, presumably 2009 at some point, like in terms of best five movies. Um, and I know you like this a lot. So other things that came out in 2010 uh, that have some acclaim, or I know you like so. Uh, 127 hours have you ever watched that i don't know what that is that's the cutting his arm political off. thriller nah that's the frank oh the ryan, the ryan reynolds nah Fr- james franco cutting his arm off like stuck between the cliffs like the boulder or whatever i don't know yeah. i don't care about that okay um black swan comes out that year yeah um we've talked about black swan on yeah 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 I know you're a fan. Of, I'm just going through the list real quick. Um, Inception comes out that year. Uh, Social Network comes out that year. Uh, Shutter Island comes out that year. <sighs> DiCaprio just hitting on all cylinders. We scrolling through a list. Are you muted or something? I think you muted yourself, buddy. Or I'm just talking to myself. One of us is like talking to ourselves or not talking to somebody. Maybe I'm muted. Can you hear me? Can I hear me? Hello. Me, you're looking for. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Something happened with uh, the headset um where i had to unplug it actually so now i sound probably even tinnier than normal yeah um, tin man chris so i was all i was going to ask you frank was that um so scott pilgrim ranks in top five right of 2010 yeah probably yeah i mean if it's you so i was five. wondering is is black would you rank Sw- black swan ahead of it probably yes yeah yeah it'd be ridiculous not to Although I will watch Scott Pilgrim a hundred times before I watch Black Swan one more time. Makes makes sense. Right. And not because yeah. I dislike Black Swan, but because Scott Pilgrim is one of those definite um comfort food movies for me where I can just throw it on and really enjoy it. Like I love the music, <laughs> I love the ambiance. I feel like it flies by. So if I'm like drawing or painting or cooking, I can put, you know, Scott Pilgrim versus the world on and just be um feel good about it really okay gotcha um all right so any final thoughts on the movie no i mean i'll be interested to see like i don't read a whole lot of like criticism at all i mean Mm -hmm. i'm not very i don't really care necessarily what other people think and especially not critics necessarily but um i'll be interested to see if there is any kind of movement or outcry against this movie just because of its more um you know controversial themes i guess um, i don't see it like again i i feel like this movie is just too it's kind of like ambling and agreeable right so where's the benefit in shitting on it and also because nobody's like elevating it up and saying oh my god this movie's the greatest you know so you're not really gaining anything by saying like, oh, this movie's the worst or this movie should be canceled or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that is something that'll happen. I think that's a shame. 
you know what's you, you know what's an interesting point can you talk can i yeah. hear you okay i i don't know i'm now i'm all paranoid <laughs> i i very much like to consider myself open-minded i guess and i don't like to use the terms like ally or whatever because i don't think you can ever define yourself in that that way not without being like pretentious or whatever mm-hmm. but it's like if something that's old is problematic fuck it you know like what is like what does it matter you know it of course things were problematic before that's why we have growth you know like why would you dismiss something or try and destroy something just because people thought differently or weren't as like advanced you know i agree emotionally a a decade two decades three decades ago i was just talking about this the other day and it's like i i really like the solution that i think like uh turner classic movies and stuff has come up with in terms of certain things having context put in front of them before they're aired um but it doesn't need to be all things it just needs to be certain things i think to to put a context like uh, the, the especially egregious things Despite my criticisms of the very ending of Scott Pilgrim, um, I don't think there's like this needs contextualized in any way. Like, I mean, hopefully, it, people take the movie for what it is and um, have conversations about it. Like, yeah. Um, but I do think it's important still to acknowledge even even small problems at times. Like when you're talking yeah. about anything are uh, like analytically. Um, but I don't think this is egregious or anything like that. Um, but I don't know. I'll be interested to see, like I said, where, where it is 30 years from now, like, you know, cause I think it's going to actually continue. I think the cult status will grow. Um, actually, like, I think this is probably way ahead of its time. I agree in, with that hundred percent in terms of like, from a filmmaking standpoint. And, I think its reputation will continue to grow um, throughout at least the next like generation or so, and uh, and yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see like you know like how how that holds up like over time. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's still like a like you said like when you say it's soft or whatever. I think it's still a super fun movie. Like oh, to yeah, sit down yeah. and watch, you know, and like I have no no like major issues with this movie i think it's entertaining i think it's well acted i think it's well cast and um at the end of the day like you said it's something always worthy probably to just kind of like throw on and and watch i mean it's interesting because i've been thinking a lot about that hogwarts game in the past few days mm-hmm. and i think about like i don't it's like that's a much more complex topic than what we need to talk about here but you wonder like i don't know it's it's the roman plansky woody allen argument right like can you appreciate something and accept that it has problems and still be okay with those problems and i don't know i mean it's weird that like sometimes i'm okay with like embracing that stuff and just saying like ah well it was just the past and sometimes i think it's what i said like you know when we talked about it uh, briefly on the spin chagrin that one night like you know um i think it's always going to be subjective i think everybody's going to be like you know kind of make those choices based on a very specific set of criteria that is like unique and personal to them and what they can and can't deal with like for instance like my wife can't watch tom cruise movies like really um like because she she's like has watched and like read so much about like cults and how women are treated in cults and science the scientology stuff like really bothers her and every time she sees tom cruise like she's kind of like you know like icked out um by him being you know and she's like not like insane about it like if tom cruise comes on the screen she's like i can't watch this i mean um but like she just kind of chooses like to like avoid tom cruise as much as possible it's a very subjective thing with her right i think we're all different like you know in terms of like what can what we can accept and what we can't um and with that game like i said i think it's like uh it's like fourfold the subtopics that you have to get into about that game and um like 
uh, and I think one of the main things, like the argument that comes from a lot of different people is this idea of like, you know, uh, not supporting an artist or a creator. And I think that, um, I think that's broad, that's a broad, that's a big topic of eth whether ethical capitalism exists. And like you said, it's too much to go into here. Um, but I think there's so much like to talk about these things, but I ultimately think it's always going to end up being subjective. Um, so it's like, I respect the fact that it's like, you don't really want to watch Woody Allen movies anymore. I get it. I could, you know, like when, with not much of an issue, I didn't really have much of an issue watching Glengarry Glenn Ross a while back, like, you know, with Kevin Spacey. And I thought I might like seeing Kevin Spacey for the first time in a while, like acting, but it didn't bother me. Maybe it was cause he's young. Um, I wonder how I'll react to an older Spacey, like, you know, a little puffier Spacey, like when I see him, um, since that's what I associate now, like more currently, I don't know. Um, He's also not being a sexual creep in that movie. Like, right. Could you go back and watch American beauty and Agreed. not that's feel the, like yeah, weirded I out? You I know? don't know. I don't know. I have a pretty good, I don't know why, like, maybe I'm amoral. Like, I have a pretty good filter with a lot of that stuff where it's like, I can just kind of, like, separate it. Like, um, in fact, I'm more bothered by people like Spielberg, like, you know, interjecting, like, their own, like, life lessons. Like, as much as I love uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like, watching it, when we talked about it on the movies Chris Loves episode a couple years ago, watching it now today and knowing that he's imposing his own feeling like feelings about his divorce and stuff on it actually like icks me out like more than some other things but that, again it's highly subjective i just find this middle-aged dude like almost like using his art to justify why he's leaving his family is like <laughs> um right yeah i so it's like those kind of things like kind of like bother me more than the really bad shit. <laughs> um, and I don't know why that is. So I, I think it's all just kind of, and I think that's probably also like shit, psychological, <laughs> um, sure. Trauma and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating what, you know, what bothers people and what doesn't. And, I can see some people being bothered by potentially by like some of the stuff, especially the ending of Scott, Scott Pilgrim, like, you know, um, and that women just kind of like a little bit get over it. Like, um, I could see that, but I don't know how that'll play out over the long term. But um, I think it's a fascinating movie to discuss anyway and discuss <laughs> these ideas like this, like about it. Like, I hope it. I hope it continues for a long time so people can have discussions about it. Agreed. And I really enjoyed watching it again. So. Absolutely, me too. Um, all right, so um, we'll be back later in the month with the uh, top five horror movies of 2002. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a good week. Deuces.